Welcome to Renaissance City, a Prowlers and Paragons actual play radio drama here on the TTRP Theater Twitch channel. TTRP Theater is a group of actors, artists, and gamers from all walks of life that collaborate to bring you compelling content. I am Duke Walter, your Game Master. Myself and a group of friends have come together to spin some tales, have some laughs, and hopefully entertain you with our stories of superheroes. The Prowlers and Paragons system is a rules-light role-playing game that allows us to live out the fantasy of being the heroes and villains. Before we get into the game, I want to say thank you to Evil Beagle Games for being generous enough to share their latest version with us, Prowlers and Paragons Ultimate Edition. Their successful Kickstarter recently closed, but you can check them out at evilbeaglegames.com for more information about this and their other products. The reason that I chose PNP UE as the system to use for this game is twofold. One, my friends are all great storytellers, artists, and actors, and one of the main mechanics of the Prowlers and Paragons system is that the narrative is sometimes turned over to the players. This differs from a lot of the standard systems in that I, as the Game Master, won't always have control. I like this aspect of the game. It makes me think on my feet, and it also means that there's a lot of improvising when it comes to each issue. 2. Some of my friends have never played an RPG in their life, and none of us have played this system. There are a few rules that you should all know about before we get into the episode. Firstly, this is a D6 system. That means that you only need the traditional six-sided cubes that you find in almost every board game you've ever played. No special dice needed. The die rolls equate to successes. Each trait, ability, and power have a number of dice that the player has predetermined. When needed, the player will roll that many six-sided dice. All even numbers showing are considered successes, while odd numbers are failures. In this game, when a player rolls a six, they get to re-roll the die for a chance at additional successes. The amount of net successes for the actor determines who gets to narrate the scene and how. Sometimes it is the player with embellishments by me. Sometimes I get to narrate with embellishments by the player. And sometimes either I or the player gets to narrate with no input from the other. Embellishment allows both sides to add narration in a small but meaningful way. But embellishments can't contradict the narration or make it true but effectively meaningless. You'll see what I mean as we play more and more of this game. This episode is about King and his alter ego, Cotton Dearborn. Chris Freedom plays this character. Please note that we had some issues with our audio and I will break in to give you some of the details as we lost a portion of our recording. If you want to help support us on Patreon, please search TTRP Theater, all one word, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can help us to upgrade our equipment, support other artists, and continually create new content. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to Renaissance City, our Prowlers and Paragons actual play podcast, I guess. Is it a podcast? It's not really a podcast. My name is Duke Walter. I'm the Game Master. And today we are doing a zero session for King or Cotton Dearborn. I'm joined by Chris Freedom. Chris, say hello to everybody. Hello, hello. You've made some interesting choices for your character. Um, one of the things that you can do in this game system as a flaw, you can choose to have an alter ego. Chris is the only player that has chosen to do that in this game. So he doesn't live his life in the game exclusively as King, uh, who is the hero side of his uh, character. Uh, he lives the majority of his life as Cotton Dearborn. So... First, let's talk about the characters themselves, um, and then how you kind of came up with the ideas. Where did this idea come so, from? So, um, I really just have zero experience doing this kind of thing. I've never really done any kind of role-playing game. I take that back. I've played Dungeons & Dragons a few times and that kind of thing, but honestly, it was usually without any 
real commitment. It was just my friends are doing this, I'm doing it tonight, and then I'm done with it. But I'm kind of excited about this, like actually developing a character and getting into it. I'm, I'm kind of geeking out about it, and it's pretty cool. So I basically just went with what I know. Um, I kind of dug into my own psychological makeup as I see it and my own trials and tribulations in life and, and tried to extrapolate that into a character. And it really honestly, organically just happened as I was, as I was exploring who I am and what I'm about and trying to make it into like a, a hero. Right. It just flowed. Oh, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, you and I've known each other for 25 years at right, this point, right. probably. Yeah. So as you were coming up with these ideas, you know, I totally saw some of the parallels into you as Chris. So Cotton is definitely more of a uh, psychologically based hero. You have much more limited abilities than what your king form has. But it's still a very interesting, some interesting choices that you've made. You have a, a mind blast, you have mind control, and you have telepathy. But your telepathy has an interesting drawback to it. Can you talk about that a little some bit? Some of the things that you call drawbacks, <laughs> I just see as like a natural way it would fit together. Um, when I'm in a room with someone, actually, I, I don't remember what the range is on the, on the stuff. So the here, well, that's that's an interesting point. Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, everything is marked out in these kind of five or ten foot plots, right? Whereas in this game, it isn't set up that way. So you are within a touch range of someone, which means you're relatively close to them, usually within twenty or thirty feet. Um, then you're within basically like a visual range of someone, so you can see out, you know, maybe. 60 to 100 feet um and then there's basically that you can't get to them range right. after that it, it's not designated in feet or yeah, yeah. meters or you know anything like that um so for this power it's basically anybody within okay, your visual okay. range so if they're relatively close to you um then you'll be able to affect them with this this telepathy power that you have right so basically i can in real life, I'm very a very empathetic person, and I can feel a room, and I can light up a room, and I can put a room to bed just because I'm a, I'm a really loud, emotional, expressive kind of person. And I was just trying to translate that into uh, a hero situation. And so, basically, anyone within that sight range, I can I can perceive that what emotions they're having, and I can affect the emotions that they are about to have but the limitation is that i have I'm limited to being able to move an emotion from somebody in my sight range to another person in my sight range i generally don't just conjure emotions from scratch um it just doesn't work that way right so you you can be in a room of 20 people and if you feel sadness in someone over here and you feel anger in someone over here and maybe you feel lust in someone over here um you can tune into any of those three emotions and you can take that from them and you can spread it out into the area around you boom orgy time right so you can <laughs> take that person exactly 
you can take that person that's feeling lust and um, on your successes, you can spread that out to anyone within your range around you. Connections are a part of this game that both ingrain the characters into the world while simultaneously giving me, the Game Master, access to help drive the story along for the player's characters. The rules say each character should have a few that they come up with themselves to help populate the setting. Chris and I talked a bit about this when we first started working on his character ideas. This next section is us creating these people together. In other games, a backstory isn't required but is encouraged. With the focus on narration and the Prowlers and Paragon's rules, this makes sure that players have to at least work out a couple of people in their lives, which always gives the GM something to work with when creating the world. That is where we will pick back up in our recording. See, it, and I didn't prepare for this because I, I'm just kind of lost with it a little bit. I, are we talking family? It can be a family member, sure. Okay. We have some other characters who have uh, a lot of family connections within the city. We have, right. I do know that one of your connections is going to be Raymond, who is another hero within the city. We'll get more into that um, as we do Raymond's uh, zero session. One of the things that I thought about, um, and I don't know, I, I don't really know if, if if we if we've talked about like what cotton does for a living or anything like that but i thought that possibly someone at one of the hospitals might be a connection for you um a psychiatrist or yeah. psychologist um you know someone working at park davis i've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to navigate i mean i'm still on the down low but i can go in there and and have those conversations of like how do I how do I survive with an overwhelming empathetic viewpoint and like a dark side kind of thing? Yeah, I've been working through it. Okay, so so let's say that you yeah you have a connection to uh, a psychiatrist or psychologist at yep. Park Davis Hospital. What is their name? <laughs> I'm I'm coming up with a name. It's okay. So, uh, Doctor Doctor Brown is the woman that I've been seeing for since I was a teenager. Okay. Um, her first name is Ingrid. I'm okay with that. And every, and every time I hear it, I just kind of wrinkle up my face because she's always just Dr. Brown to me. Like, I don't know her as anything more than that. It's always weird to me. Um, so are we developing more about her or? Yeah, let's just, I mean, just a right. few details. Um, is she sympathetic? Is she, you know, cold and standard? Is she? No, she's. Um, you know what? 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 What kind of a person is right. she to you? She's always been like my bail me out of an emotional crisis person. If I if I were to knock on her door after hours, like she's made herself that available to me. So I, we kind of got into it a minute ago. You were talking about uh, connections to family. I have a cousin who is in the money and is in the political connection. Um, Daniel Dearborn and he and I were childhood friends and we were kind of, we were kind of raised together. Um, and he knows about me. He knows what's up. I trust him. He's always been good to me. What was it like growing up for cotton? I was really close to 
my dad uh, when I was young, and uh, he and I did everything together. And when I was six, he died in a freak accident. That's what separated us from family, like Dearborn family kind of kept us at arm's length after that. Do you know why they kept you at arm's length? I don't really know 100%. Um, without the connection of, of dad, like we're no longer as in as we were before kind of thing. Gotcha. Well, and I feel like my mom was always just kind of, you know, the woman that he married. Like she had never really been brought into the fold. He was the connection to the family. So when that went away, we just weren't tight anymore. Everyone, I have to interject at this point. We had some connectivity issues during this portion of the recording, and so I am, unfortunately, going to have to give you the lowdown on what we learned about Cotton. The loss of his father gave he and his mother struggles, both emotionally and financially. Cotton and his mom were two against the world after the Dearborn family cut Cotton and his mother off from the family money. Cotton still feels like he has access to a get-out-of-jail-free card if he absolutely needs it, but their daily life doesn't include the bulk of the Dearborns at all. Cotton's mom went to work to make sure that Cotton got into a good school. This made Cotton a latchkey kid, but he feels like it only strengthened their bond. He adores his mom, but has done what he thought was right to help her stay stable as she is still wounded at the loss of her husband. We then began discussing when Cotton discovered his empathic power. His mother was an empathetic person, and so, like her, he was an emotionally centered kid, and he eventually realized that his influence in a room was a lot more tangible than it is for average people. He was using that influence long before he even realized that he could. With the grief and trauma that his father's death caused, Cotton began to unknowingly use his power to console his own mother. As he got to be about 10 years old, he was able to use it willingly, but with this choice came some guilt, even though he felt like he was helping her. Imagine being able to take away someone's sadness, but them not knowing that you were doing it. How would that make you feel? Good at first? most likely, but eventually you would be harboring a secret that if shared would completely alter the entire relationship. Cotton was no different. So you've been on your own throughout most of your days. Um, you're going to school as a kid. You know, you, you start to realize that you are able to control this um, empathetic power that you have and you've used it to benefit yourself several times you've also used it to benefit people around you um i th i think that once you're aware of it you absolutely try to take away grief and sadness from people when you can and um, maybe try to de-escalate some situations you know if, if you if you happen to come across them um get bullies away from other kids or um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and it also has helped to keep you safe uh, several yeah. times. It's not that it's unusual to see a 10 year old kid, you know, walking by himself during this time period, but it doesn't mean that it's safe for a 10 year old kid to be walking by himself during this time right. period. Do you walk home from school? Do you take, um, you know, do you take the, the streetcars home? How is it? How is it that you get about the city from school to home, typically? Well, I mean, I have to take a streetcar for one big portion of it, but most of it's walking. Okay. So you get on the streetcar, and the driver—you uh, know what I mean. At this point, you've been on the streetcars so often over the last um, several years that 
you know, almost all the drivers recognize you and they all are protective of you and, and are paying attention, you know, because there aren't a ton of young kids who ride the streetcars by themselves and you have a reputation of being a good kid and, and not causing trouble. So that goes far. Yes. So you get on the streetcar. It's, it's always a busy time of day. There are always unexpected stops that happen because of other vehicles or, um, I mean, there are still some horse and carriage that run in the streets. There are, you know, large trucks and you've been on the streetcar about 15 minutes and you guys come to a halt. No big deal. It's not uncommon this time of day for it to happen, for you to get stopped for a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And you hear from somewhere outside of the cart a very loud crash. And then you hear a crackling. And the driver of the streetcar turns around to everybody and, and yells, Everybody get down! And as he says, get down, the entire car is shot full of electricity. I need you to roll toughness. Okay. How many do I roll? You have four in toughness. All right. Oh. One, two, two, and three. So two successes. Okay. That is a net negative one because the threshold was three. Um, firstly, you're going to take one damage. So you'll go from four to three. And everyone else in the cart are all shot through with this searing pain. Um, and you can see other people around you that all drop to the floor. And there is smoke rising from the hair of, of one woman. And there is another man whose face you can see burns forming on his face. And this electricity is, it's not like a, it's not like a simple shock. It is still coursing its way in and around through this entire streetcar and all of you that are in it. And you fall to your knees in massive pain. And then you get to embellish this part of the scene because it was a minus one to the roll. So I still don't know what's happening, though. You have no idea. You heard a crash. Right. The driver said, everybody get down. And electricity, a massive um, surge of electricity has encased the entire streetcar and everyone in it. I'm panicked. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to escape the situation. I sat near the front of the streetcar because the streetcar driver wouldn't let me sit in the back because I'm a kid. So I'm close to the exit, but I can feel a woman three rows behind me she's the only one on the streetcar that's not thinking about her own survival and she's she's worried she's worried about not getting to her destination and i can't let go of it all i can think is before i get off i've got to go get her okay awesome so you move to go get her um i need you to i'll let you choose might or willpower it's three either way it's three dice either way um, which do you think applies to you getting up and trying to get to her? Willpower. Willpower. Okay, roll willpower. Right. One, one, and five. <laughs> no successes. Zero. Okay, well, then that puts it at minus three successes because it would have taken you three successes to right. at least get to net zero. In your mind, because you you are able to 
feel those around you and, and the emotional state that they're in. Um, you can feel her uh, desire is different than other people's, even though they all are feeling this panic. You are down on your knees and you attempt to stand up and turn and another surge of electricity mm. hits the car and your vision goes white. I mean, th this all, this surge of electricity comes in, everything goes white. You are hit with this intense smell of phosphorus. Everything goes purple for just a flash of a second and then you are back on your knees at the front of the cart um, and you have taken one more damage so you now have two health instead of four what do you do what do i do so <laughs> so I've, i have no willpower no, no no you still have a willpower of three okay you just failed to you're, you're not out of willpower that doesn't okay, okay so um, so just because you have rolled your dice one time doesn't mean that you have used up that score. I got you. What it means is that's how much you have available to you when the situation determines that that is what you need to use. So it's not like you have three and you only have three and you'll only ever have three. And if you use them, they're gone. But every time you're in a situation that you need to use your willpower, you will roll three dice. Or if you need to use your toughness, you will roll four dice. Or right. if you need to use your streetwise, then you'll roll three dice. Hmm. So I, I feel like I feel like my next my next logical pursuit is finding out why this is happening. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look out the windows, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to determine what the source is. So you're going to stand up and look out the, just look around outside of the streetcar? Right. Okay. Um, I want you to roll perception, please. You have four dice. All right. Three, three, one, and three. <laughs> oh, oh man, my God. Dice. I'm dying here. It's okay. Here's how it goes. You, oh, you, are, in, you are in so much pain. Um, you know what I mean? And this, and this, um, uh, electricity is still surging through this car. Everybody and everybody around you is moaning and screaming and the smell of burned flesh and hair. Uh, you just, you can't get your wits about you to, um, to really concentrate on anything outside of the pain that is going on inside of you right now. Right. My turn. Are you going to stay? Are you going to stay in the car? Are you going to Are you going to move through the car? Are you gonna, Are you going to attempt to go back to to that woman? Um, yeah. What are you going to do? I'm going to rage out and try to get out the door, so okay. I can affect the outcome. Okay. Um, I want you to. I want you to roll. Yeah, willpower or might, whichever one you choose. They're both three dice. I, so I'm going might, I guess. Four, six, six. Nice. Reroll those sixes. That is fortuitous rolling, man. That is perfect timing. No doubt. Five and two. Okay, so three successes altogether. So, um, so that's a net zero. So what that how means is that is, how is that three? I need to understand that. So you rolled a four, six, six. Right. Those are three even numbers. So right. those are three successes. Yes. You rerolled re re the sixes and you got a five and a what? 
Oh, so you got a, you got a five and a two, right? Yeah. Oh, then that's four successes. My fault. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you got four successes. Okay. So we're right. at uh, we're at one net. So that means that you get to narrate. I believe that's right. You get to narrate, and I get to embellish. Gotcha. So I'm really hesitant here, not knowing how much of the story I, I should or can create. I don't want to step on. Here's the thing. The story the, the, shows. The beauty. The beauty of this game is that. We are all creating the story. I promise you right. that even if you throw me a complete curveball, I will react and we will I move and we will move forward with it. I got you. It's just a foreign territory. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate it. Yeah, I get it, man. It's it's why it's why I love the fact that I have someone like you in the game. Um, because as someone who and again, none of us have ever played this system before. Right. But the right. fact that you've never really been immersed in any kind of role-playing game whatsoever um you bring a different perspective um and you you will come up with some interesting and out-of-the-box right. ways um to manipulate yourself within the system and yeah. i i absolutely love it i love that opportunity to to play with someone who doesn't have any preconceived notions about what this is okay so, let me let me make sure i'm right yeah, so one net success is you you narrate and then I get to embellish. So I dig deep and I force myself to the door and I, and I push out the door and I'm standing outside and I'm no longer feeling the shock of the electricity. I'm looking around trying to see what the cause is and I realize that I don't, I just don't feel myself anymore. I'm changing and I don't know what it's about. I don't know why. I don't know what's happening. Um, I just, all I can think about is that lady and figuring out how to help that lady. But I still don't know why, why the electricity is coming. So you have, you have made your way out and you're standing in the street and you hear a second crack and it draws your attention behind you. And what you see are two very large light posts that hold the electric wiring system that um, have crashed down on top of each other. That is the cause of, of the turmoil and, and the pain. But you are pretty sure that everyone inside that car is probably dead at this point. Okay. I need you to roll willpower. Three again. Three again. Two, one, one. Two, one, one. Okay. Um, so I this threshold is a five. And so you have negative four successes. <laughs> In the moment that this second post comes down and you see this continued surge of electricity, you don't hear any more screams within the car that you were in. And you have this overwhelming sense of dread um, and anger that rise within you. And once again, your vision goes white. And then you see within that white, that same flash of purple. And when you come out of that flash this time, you are no longer a 12-year-old Cotton Dearborn. Your mind is changed. Your body has changed. 
and standing in the middle of the road is a seven and a half foot tall lion-headed warrior and your arms come up around you and you are you see your clawed hand and you look to your right and you see your other clawed hand and you have these massive muscled arms and you're confused and you start to turn a circle to look around you as if you know you're not sure where you are at the moment and then wings spring forth from your shoulder blades and everyone in the street around you screams and starts running what do you do at this point all i can all i can think about i'm i'm freaking out about the change but all i can think about is i had a task i will complete the task period end of statement i somehow instinctively fly up and throw the poles to the side so they're no longer making contact okay i need you to roll i need you to roll a might roll then you have seven you have seven dice in this form got it okay four four two six and three odd ones four four two six Uh okay re-roll your six a three yeah so that's going to be one net success so you get to tell it but i get to embellish Gotcha. So I go up, I, I throw the poles, uh, away from the, from the trolley. It's no longer making contact with the trolley. I know it's a lost cause at this point, but I'm, I'm moving on task accomplished. The only thing I can think now is just fight or flight and I want to get the heck out of there. So I start to take off. My instinct is to fly, but it's, drawing too much attention so i want to go back down to the ground and run okay you take off running you're not thinking clearly and and this is a you're so used to just getting on the streetcar and riding the streetcar that you aren't even exactly sure where you are at this point because you're still the mind Mm. of a 12 year old and you just take off running and there are this is like i said this is a busy time of the day there are cars there are trucks, there are other streetcars, there are people, you know, coming to and from places. Um, and these streetcars run on the, you know, mostly on, not on all the main thoroughfares, but they, they run on some of the main thoroughfares of town. There are people all around you and you are being seen by hundreds and hundreds of people. And some of them are stopping and staring and pointing. And some of them are screaming and some of them are running away from you. And there are a few police officers who draw their weapons and start and aim their and aim their weapons at you as you are running down the street. What do you do? So, so I'm, I'm panicked. All I could do is, all I can do is run or fight at this point. When I see, when I see the guns, my, I mean, it kind of depends on how close I am to them. I assume that they're fairly close to me, that they're engaging. So I am, I'm going to grab the nearest gun that I can and snatch it out of the hand of a cop. Okay. And throw it away. Okay. uh, So I want you to first make an agility roll. So that's five dice. Okay. Six and a two. So two successes? Yep, two successes. Oh, but a six. Do I roll a six again? Yeah, you roll the six again. 
No, and it's a five. So two successes. Okay, so so that's a. I was going to make it it um, hard to do that, um, to make your way through the crowd to get to the officer to grab a gun. So that's that's going to be zero successes because that's the, the threshold was two. So I'm going to tell this part, and you're going to get to embellish. You see the closest officer to you, and he has a pistol drawn, and you go to make your way toward him. And as you do, you you aren't paying attention to the people that are in your way, and you knock over um, a, an older man um, who falls to the ground, and the officer um, fires a shot at you. I need you to roll your toughness, please. Okay, how many? Your toughness is six. Okay. Five, five, three, one, four, two. So two successes? Yep. Okay. You still get to embellish this this part, um, but you, you are going to take one damage from the gunshot. So I'm hit. The pain is... is um is incredible, never imagining what it would feel like to be hit by a bullet. Um, it's searing pain, but I look down at, at the old man that I've hit and I'm completely unfazed. I, I don't, at this point, I don't have time to mess with that guy. I'm moving on. So I run, I, I dodge the other police officer. Uh, he makes a swipe at me and I, and I run down this next alley, just trying to get where people can't see me. Okay. So I want you to roll, if you're going to keep running, I want you to roll agility. Okay. Five dice in agility. Yahtzee. <laughs> got, I got five fives. <laughs> you got five what? Fives. You got five fives. Yeah, I just, I just fell on my face. <laughs> <laughs> that is what happens. You, um, you are, you're wounded. Um, the pain is is searing. The crowd is is panicked and running in all directions, trying to get away from you. Um, you're unfamiliar with this part of the city, and so you're just trying to get out of there. And you run, and um, you you trip and fall and and land on the ground um, and roll. And what are you gonna do? At this point, I I just have to go somewhere else. I have to get away from this place. I can't fight and win. I can't seem to run away. So fuck it. I'm going to fly out of there. I'm going to fly to the nearest rooftop. So at least it'll take a minute for them to get to me. Okay. You have six dice in flight. Okay. A four, a two, and a six um, that are even. So I'll reroll my six. And I get a three. So three. Three wins. Because you've fallen to the ground and you are such a huge beast. Um, you know what I mean? It's given people an extra couple of seconds to, to get away from you. And you stand up and um, realize that uh, you have the space around you and your wings pop out. And what do you do? I literally just fly to the nearest rooftop. It's a couple of stories up. I just fly straight up to get out of sight, and there's nothing up there of any consequence. There are no people on the roof, thankfully. My goal is just to self-assess. Am I going to die from a gunshot wound? Am I some sort of freaky creature that's never going to change back? What's happening? 
how do I how do I get through it? Even though the the pain is is fairly high from taking a gunshot wound, you really feel like you're fine. Oddly enough, there's this, you know what I mean? There there's something inside that bestial side of your mind that is like, no, fuck it, I'm fine. Right. I know I'm not dying, but I am hurting. I examine the wound, and it, and it looks like it's more superficial than anything. I basically sit down and just start checking myself out. What the hell? I have giant claws. I'm a I'm a beast. Who is this creature? And as I'm as I'm thinking about it, I'm remembering the flashes um, of purple that happened to me during the electricity, and I feel like somehow that's related, and I can't quite make sense of it. I have the image in my mind. It's just a, like a, a loosely a figure in that purple haze. And I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm just, I know that's where the mystery lies. And so just as I'm sitting there assessing myself and getting in my own head, I slowly change back into Cotton Dearborn. What's it like when you change back into Cotton? What happens to you? It's really just... Is it kind of a reverse of the way that you changed into this lion form, or...? It is in that it's it's not instantaneous, but it it's like it's a discovery as it's happening. I look down, and, and my claw is now a hand, and I look down, I look over on my shoulder, and now my my wing is just is just my shoulder. And so it's like I discover it as it's happening. I'm not really watching a hand morph into a claw or vice versa. So I don't really understand the mechanism, to be honest. It's just kind of a freaky thing. Okay. So now you are a 12-year-old Cotton Dearborn, and you are right. you are on the second-story roof of a building. Sure. And uh, I'm completely traumatized by, by all the shit that just went down, and I'm not sure what it's even all about. And... Um, my ultimate goal, obviously, is just to get out of there and, and get home. So I begin to look for an exit and try to figure out a way to leave. What's the second story of this building look like? Is it, a, is it just a flat top building next to another building next to another building? That's right. Um, and a few of the buildings are taller, but it's, uh, it's just basically uh, tar roof and a doorway into the interior of the building. Okay. And go to the doorway. So I'm and um right. you are able to exit and you get into a, a stairwell and you make your way down. Are you trying to get out of here quietly and secretly? Are you how are you how are you trying to exit? My instinct is to try to be undetected, but I also know that's not going to be possible. So um I'm trying to figure out the cleverest excuse I can come up with when somebody comes around a corner and accuses me of something. Okay. So you're ready in anticipating someone, probably the police or, or someone of that ilk coming up to search this building and you, you make your way down to the next doorway and start to walk down the hallway of this, um, of this small office building that you have leapt up to the roof of and coming down the hallway from the other end are two police officers with their guns drawn and they are running they're not pointing their guns at you or anything but they like you exit the door kind of as they come around the corner from the other stairwell and are running down the hallway directly at you what do you do 
I start running toward them, screaming and flailing my hands. Oh my god, there's a lion on the roof! <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, <laughs> I think that's great. Um, I want you to... Are you going to use... Are you going to use mind control at this point? Are you going to try to? Are you going to try to add I'm, that in, or? I'm prepared to. Um, I perceive that. I perceive that they're both scared, and that they both want to get home safely to their families. And I want to help. While I'm worried about me getting loose, my empathy's back in full force, and I want to help them feel safe. Um, so that's all I can think about. Unfortunately, I don't. I'm not perceiving a whole lot of other emotions to tap into yet. There's some stuff going on behind doorways, but I don't have a clear picture of, of what else is going on. Okay. You're trying to trick them and okay. Then I'm going to make a roll. Okay. I rolled a one, four, a five and a five. So yeah. So you, so narrate this part of the scene. So you, the cops come around the corner, you go running at them, arms waving and screaming there's a lion on the roof all i had um all i had to put around me was was basically the clothes that i snatched off of a clothesline on the roof um and so i look a hot mess um i do not look like your standard 12 year old kid so they're very suspicious um and they're also very eager to go get this lion so I can tell I can tell that they're they don't trust my answer, but they don't have time to fool with me. So they run up to the roof, run past me, and I'm on my own. I slip out downstairs and I'm trying to go in the general direction the trolley was going in. Uh, but again, I'm I'm pretty lost. So I'm trying to stay out of the public eye and make sure there's not anybody who suspects that I'm any part of that anymore. Okay. You get down to the street level. And there's still some general panic and people are standing across the street and pointing up and, you know, there's obviously chaos and there, you know, there are some police officers and you can hear some sirens and there are uh, three cars, three police cars on the street. And you saw the two officers that went upstairs and you, there are three more officers in the street, you know, kind of behind their cars in the standard FBI pose, you know, guns pointed at the roof, you know, all looking directly up and you make your way out and kind of hurriedly quietly bear you know occasionally looking over your shoulder making sure nobody's following you and you you get out of that area and and start trying to find your way home i can i can feel the swirling of emotions around me in the street everybody's panicked and everybody's worried and there is a there is a blind man sitting at a table next to next to the building i'm running past and he seems honestly completely oblivious to the whole thing. He's obvious that there's something going on, but he's got a I could care less attitude because it isn't affecting him. I take his emotion and basically I throw it around the intersection, trying to affect all of those panicked people in the road so that hopefully they'll be less likely to pursue it. Um, and make a big deal about it going forward. Okay. I'm hoping that they're just gonna, they're gonna not care. Yeah. Um, all right. You roll. You have seven. You have seven dice um, as far as that is concerned. So roll your seven and uh, let let me know what happens. Okay. Three twos, and that's it. Everything else is odd. Man, the <laughs> dice are not your friends today. 
It's it's odd dice day for Chris. That's okay, man. That's, that's how it works. Um, Funny. So three is the threshold that I would have set for that. Um, it's kind of a daunting task because, you know, there are so many people and there was a gunshot in the street and the light poles that have fallen and the electricity and there are, there is an entire car of dead people. I mean, the, so the crowd is in utter panic. So it is extremely difficult for you to calm this entire crowd of people down. But you are still able to spread it around enough so that instead of it being riot level, you've brought it down to a group of very concerned people. So my next plan is to figure out where I'm going. Um, I do know my neighborhood. Um, so I approach another police officer, one that one that's walking away from the scene. And I ask him which direction to get to that neighborhood. At this point, I know they're not on to me. Um, so I may be able to appeal to their concern for a kid that looks like he doesn't have his shit together. Okay. Yeah, the cop, he he's kind of taken aback at you. Um, he's trying to do a little bit of crowd control himself. And he's like, yeah, kid, get out of here. Dearborn's, Dearborn's west. Dearborn's west. Head that way. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. I want to give props this week to Thieves Can't Webcomic. It's a free comic written and drawn by Bartholomew Click and Zach Stoppel that highlights the fun you can have and some of the lessons that you can learn from role-playing games. They also produce some wonderful homebrew for D&D 5e, and you can check it all out at yesthievescan.com. That's Y-E-S-T-H-I-E-V-E-S-C-A-N.com. Yesthievescan.com. Check out the entire TTRP Theater schedule here on our Twitch page. We run live games almost every night of the week, so you are sure to find something to pique your interest. Chris Freedom is an entrepreneur, philosopher, and a lover of all animals. All music in the show was written by me, Duke Walter. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Renaissance City. Make sure to follow TTRP Theater on Twitter and Facebook by searching TTRP Theater. Please feel free to join our Discord server as well. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Invisible Duke. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Twitch page. Thanks again for listening and be sure to join us next episode when we meet our third and final hero, the Scarlet Spartan.